Welcome back to Normies Like Us, the podcast that reminds you it is hip to be square. With this podcast, we shall build a better world. Things turn apocalyptic for April as your hosts talk all about Marvel's apocalypse on Normies Like Us. Welcome back to Normies Like Us. As you heard up top, the mummy returns. We're going to Egypt. We're busting them out. We're going to the future. We're traveling back in time. Uh, we're going to alternate dimensions as we talk Marvel's Apocalypse, the comic book supervillain character that plagues the mutant X-Men on this episode of Normies Like Us for April Ocalypse. Happy April Ocalypse, guys. This is me, your host, uh, Colin <laughs> Ban. I guess I'll be uh, Mike Angel. Uh, Joe Vereen. There we go. We are and missing not... Jacob on this episode. Um, he exactly. is. He has been taken by Apocalypse. He is being experimented on. Now, Mike, you are Mike Angel. He is being made into Arch Jacob. <laughs> so it, it will be interesting <laughs> to see what he turns into next episode. Yeah, we will definitely have the four horsemen all back. Meanwhile, we'll make do with three uh, for, for this one here. During the conversion. How you doing, boys? Um, I'll ask up top the question we always do. A little bit of a different one on this one. We're talking about an apocalyptic character. Joe, I posted to you in one of our last April Ocalypse episodes. It's like, when you talk about comics, what do you kind of talk about with the apocalypse tied in? We listed off a couple post-apocalyptic ones. But then Mike off pod sort of, not as a joke, but, but throughout Let's Talk Apocalypse. And it just kind of fit, right? Yeah, it was stuck with it, man. I think it's... Uh... Again, here we are talking about a comic book character that is not Superman, uh, not Wonder Woman. <laughs> it's it's we're jumping right to a, a X Men villain, which is not what I thought would happen. No, no, no. not at all. An X Men villain. We're doing it before Magneto. We're doing it before what I would call sort of the bigger ones. We're doing it before a Doctor Doom episode. Now, Mike, you are joining us. Normies in the past. Joe and I did a solo X Men episode. Go back and check that out. Um, but we're going to be talking, it's another excuse to talk mutants, that's the main thing. But I will pose the question now, without doing the research, without looking at the notes we put together, do you guys sort of have a grasp of Apocalypse? Mike, do you know what his powers are as the guy who's not really comic-oriented? So, coming at this from the angle of uh, the video games um, and the cartoon show mainly is my, my sources here, I know he can get really big, like he can change his size and like... He can control like matter somehow. And he's always just talking about like, you know, the strong will survive and stuff. But like other than just growing really huge and basically talking about how he's indestructible, I don't know what he can do like exactly. <laughs> Does so. he have kind of a sound in your mind, though, too? It's like, yeah, he's like, I am the apocalypse. It's like kind of cybernetic. So I don't know if he's like also a robot. Um <laughs> explicitly so yeah Surely. he's somewhat cybernetic uh giant man he's like a ultra like, sentinel was my initial of reading course. and he's a he's a character who was made in the 90s of course he's part robot but how about you joe again a comic expert a comic lover you love x-men is is he one of your favorite villains and sort of what's your relationship with apocalypse yeah he is uh not one of my favorite villains he is in my opinion the 
the Thanos or dark side of the X-Men, right? So his power set is kind of whatever you need it to be at the time. Um, I know like super smarts and super strength are always a part of it, but then like sometimes his blood can kill you. Sometimes his blood can cure you. Sometimes he has like a, a multitude of weird powers and, I think they always just kind of use the the celestial technology as the the breaking point for it or the catalyst for it. So it's like really whatever the story wants him to be, that's his power set to me. Yeah, if like you said, the Thanos connection, I think that's so perfect. If he shot blasts out of his hand, like any color on the spectrum, you would be like, yeah, absolutely. Sure, whatever. I think he does in some books just have like blast abilities. But again, I think it's like cyber kinesis connected well, the, to, to celestial technology. Yeah. In the show, he like turns his hand and do like a, a, a plasma gun and shoots lasers out of it. And then he'll like make a big <laughs> hammer with his hand. He just kind of does shit. Oh, and I, Mike, a jackhammer and a hammer in one hand and then in the other. And my mom would walk by and she'd be like, what are you watching? <laughs> I'd be like, I don't know. I, I'm kind of with Greatest Joe. show ever made. It's, mm, I don't know, because Apocalypse may be my least favorite. I would put him next to Mr. Sinister. Now, there is a relationship there. They have the exact same powers. Mike, you kind of hit it at the, at the nail. In the control their body at the molecular and genetic level. Okay. Mm. So what is that? <laughs> yeah, and the tie in there is that you find out Apocalypse gave Mr. Sinister his powers, but they're so vague and they're so weird. I really just cannot key into it. It's constantly rewritten. I mean, I think next to, you know, the continuities of DC being rewritten, Apocalypse is probably the character who has evolved the most out of any Marvel character. Because they're just, you know, every era is a different version of this guy. I like Evolve, too, because Joe, he's obviously obsessed with evolution. So let's let's jump in there. Let's talk the history of him. Then we're going to kind of talk about where his modern world is, because normies, there is some exciting stuff happening with modern X-Men comics that do feature Apocalypse, like you would be surprised. And we'll talk about the movies, the games, and, and hopefully whether or not there's a future for this guy in Disney. Let's hit it, normies. We're back. We're talking Marvel's Apocalypse, the X-Men supervillain character here on Normies Like Us. Now, the niche to the normie. The normie, I mean, this is hard because I would even say knowing Apocalypse. Now, this is a guy who starred as the villain in his own film. We'll talk about that in a minute here. Would I still say he's normie? I don't know. The niche, of course, is this stuff, the En Sabanur. Apocalypse's real name, his quote-unquote human name or birth name, Ensabanur. Are you guys familiar with that, his history in Egypt? Um, you know, we, we mentioned at the top how we haven't done Superman, not Doctor Doom, not Magneto, right? We're doing uh, Ensabanur. Um, I didn't know his real name coming into this, but I think, yeah, he is kind of the most niche, like, zoom-in character we've ever done. But, you know, given the April Apocalypse, we figured it's good. Um, <laughs> it's Besides just him having his castle in Egypt, I don't really know like what his deal is. I know he's like ancient, so I'm excited to kind of 
learn from you guys what what really that that's all about you know where's this guy coming from and mike you don't know n7 nor but you love a nox on a moon and imatep from uh, the <laughs> mummy franchise <laughs> the, the uh oh, the i love Egyptian characters from those of course how could you not absolutely <laughs> we got a little tie in there like this is kind of what n7 nor's background is he is egyptian he is considered that means the first he is the first mutant ever created supposedly the first one so, to show the the gene active right like yes that's, that's his thing he's the first powered up person and again when like joe's saying this like you know huge background you look at somebody like dark side who's just like well he's the core of new genesis and apocalypse and stuff so it sort of makes sense that our apocalypse in the marvel universe would also be sort of like the seed that all of the x-men are birthed from even though again they're not sort of creating him and tying him in until the 90s um but he's a little kid so he's an egyptian origin he ends up joining a band of, uh, you know, rebels, outlaws who live in Egypt uh, in the desert, and they sort of teach him his way of life and sort of that survival of the fittest will be the key that sort of holds him over for the rest of time. Well, and what's crazy is uh, like the continuity gets wild right out of the gate because you have Kang the Conqueror. Uh, Mike, do you know who Kang the Conqueror is? Does Those... that mean anything to you? Those uh, syllables next to each other like mean something. I just don't know what. <laughs> I, know I, what I've Kang heard is. of you Kang know what the Conqueror. Conqueror is. <laughs> yeah, but so, what are they so, together? So Kang the Conqueror is a time traveling uh, villain. He has like the master mastery of time through technology. Basically, he goes back and poses as a pharaoh in ancient Egypt and uh, knows nice. who uh, um, Apocalypse is going to become. He knows that he's like a big bad of the future. So mm-hmm. automatically just like has people try to hunt him down. So he's like on the run as a little kid. Oh, wow. Inadvertently sets him on this path. Um, he ends up going with the leader of his tribe. They both get attacked. They basically get wiped out exactly what Joe said. He's hunted for his entire life, right? Because people know what he's going to be. He's always going to be tied into time travel in the future and stuff. That's all going to really suck for me personally, too. But eventually he's going to be wounded. He's going to drag the body of his leader and himself into a cave in Egypt where he discovers celestial technology, a lost spaceship there from the progenerators. We're talking, I mean, we're talking chariots of the God here. (laughs) You know, like if this is what you believe, it's like, well, this is the X-Men's version of it. The ancient aliens basically left a ship in a cave that he comes across. Basically, and what's crazy about this is in some way we could see this tied into the MCU because we are getting an Eternals movie and the Eternals are connected to the Celestials. So all of this is kind of secular secular in the uh, the Marvel Universe. So some of this could be giving you a heads up on where the MCU is going in a weird way. That was like Kurt Russell was a Celestial, right? Ego? Is that Yeah, Ego the yep. Living Planet was one, and then we've seen a handful of other ones um, in Guardians of the Galaxy. They did like kind of a bit where they showed a bunch of them. And then isn't um, the Collector's one too, isn't he, Colin? Uh, those are Elders not? of the Universe. So the oh, okay. Celestials, Ego kind of layers. muddies it up for the movies. It's layers on layers, Mike. But when you think of, like Joe just said, S on the Searcher, there's that guy in Guardians who's like the big hulking. He's sort of got like LED lights coming off of him. When you think of that weird armor, that Jack Kirby crazy style, that's Apocalypse. When he puts his body in that machine to recover that he finds in the Celestial ship, it changes him. He gets crazy armor and he starts to look and act like a space god. 
So that's why he has like that techno kind of body. He was just like an Egyptian dude up to this point, essentially. Yeah, it's almost kind well, of Stargate, still right? a mutant. He was still a mutant. mutant. Right. Yeah, and was... now it's a mutant augmented by celestial yeah. technology like, on top like he of it. He still had weird colored skin and I think just like super strength. I think that's it. Um, and that's it. why people hunted him. And then he becomes, you know, like like Colin said, space god. Gotcha. And okay. he kind of starts these cycles of almost like a cicada where he's just hanging out in this tomb, keeping himself alive for a zillion years and going through these waves of, well, what if I try to end the world? I'll change some of my followers into my four horsemen apocalypse. That's where you get that stupid line in uh, the movie where they're like, is the Bible based on him? And you're like, oh, no. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> Oscar Isaac, certainly. But this is kind of that survival of the fittest thing from what i'm understanding right it's like he wants to just test things i guess to see he's like, obsessed with evolution he's obsessed with his own evolution with this duality that he now maintains of i'm not only the first mutant i'm an eternal mutant and i surpass humanity and homo super, homo sapiens and homo superiors Colin, got it who's the dc villain vandal savage it's kind of like vandal savage in a way yeah, totally um where he's like living forever and just like going from society to society, introducing new things to, to get them fighting each other. This belief that you transcend morals too because you've played the long game of it all. Yeah, I really like yeah, that. Yeah, been around forever. I like Vandal Savage a lot more than uh, Apocalypse though, because there's a lot less time travel in space, and I don't really like Omega symbols as well. <laughs> True. <laughs> Yeah, because not only do you have the Kang the Conqueror part of his history where, you know, that's time travel introduced right away. When they brought him to the modern age of comics, when you have the the 90s extreme era, uh, it's Cable and his time travel that like inadvertently sets it all off and, and wakes Apocalypse up from his slumber. So Cable is debuting in X-Force. Apocalypse is debuting an X Factor. They're just a couple issues apart. And it's exactly what Joe's saying where, Mike, I don't know if you know this, but the most famous arc that we're ever going to get from Apocalypse is this thing called Age of Apocalypse. And it's exactly what it is. It's the time Cable comes from where everything is so fucked up and Apocalypse is won and taken everything over. So we get Cable and we get Bishop, two time travelers that come back and join the X-Men. Right, right. And that's what I remember from the show is Cable and Bishop kind of being intermingled with this whole apocalypse timeline. So I guess they're pulling from that, that nineties, you know, all the pockets era of uh, the X-Men. And the, the X-Men time travel continuity is so confusing to begin with too, because half the time it's apocalypse and the age of apocalypse. And then the other half of the time it's days of future past and the sentinels and more of the existential human threat, as opposed to the, the godlike uh, apocalypse. Gotcha. Yeah. And so same thing with, like the movies, we have a Days of Future Past and we have an Age of Apocalypse. Not to jump too far ahead, but it does seem weird, like the time travel with X-Men. Uh, I'll give you that. Well, I think this is a good time to talk about his present because there's kind of a very interesting tie-in between those two worlds, the Days of Future Past and the Age of Apocalypse stuff. Um, Mike, I think Joe and I are just going to go off for a little bit. So normally for apologies I'm, to I'm buckled up. We're talking about the latest run. We're talking about Jonathan Hickman. We're talking about House of X, Powers of X. Now, Joe, I believe we're both kind of pretty caught up on this, right? Yeah. No, I'm, uh, I know where you're going. Um, so 
there Normies, are spoilers here. If you jump if around, if you don't want to do this, because exactly, Mike, we're gonna say right now, like for X Men fans, for for fans who are like, I don't know if I want to read comics, but I've always kind of heard about the X Men. What's a good jumping in on? This is a retcon to the universe, written by Jonathan Hickman, who is sort of the authority at Marvel. He got to do his big shot with a super long Avengers run, a Secret Wars event, and then they said, what do you want to do? He said, I want to do X-Men. And he came up with this crazy story to make every in-continuity X-Men arc make sense. Hmm. So the way he goes about doing that is Sounds like an easy task. I would say. Yeah, it is. (laughs) So there's a character that's in the Apocalypse movie named Moira McTaggart. Do you remember her, Mike? She's played by Rose Byrne. She's sort of she's supposed to be Scottish. She's got a long relationship with the X Men in the comics. Yeah, she works on um, what's the what's the island called? Oh, Mur Island or Mir Mir yeah, Island, perhaps. Mir Island deals a lot with the the mutants and studying their powers and things like that. Generally, a, a, an ally, right? Yes, and often has relationships with Professor X. So mm-hmm. this comic book starts with Professor X sitting on a park bench, and he's like, God. The world is so perfect. The world is so good. Everything goes great. Well, Moira McTaggart sits down next to him and she says, do you know who I am? He says, no, I have no idea. She says, do me a favor, read my mind. And we go on this intense journey where kind of the rest of the comic book, or at least half of it is through that journey, where we find out Moira McTaggart, who's always been a human ally to the X-Men since her creation in the 60s, um, or probably the 80s, actually, by Chris Claremont. Yeah. Um, Actually has a mutant power. Yeah, yeah, for (laughs) sure. She actually has a power, and it's rebirth. She can reincarnate with the previous knowledge that she has had throughout her life. Hmm. Nice. Yeah, and we find out it's they throw a weird factor on it where she can only come back like ten times. But basically, she says to Charles, "Look at every life I've lived up to this point. I've lived terrible nine lives where every time I try to change the future." It always comes about that an AI, an artificial intelligence, combats mutant kind and destroys the world. So no matter what, sentinels will rise up and wipe out mutants. Yeah. And that explains why she's the same age in the movies, um, even though they're like 30 years apart. <laughs> no, We've just terrible. had a rebirth. Nothing will ever explain that. Don't you ever. <laughs> no, no, no. So she's but in a real like Terminator salvation situation. It's the, the exactly like rising. Terminator. It's, and that kind of bugs me a little because it kind of gets too much into that. Uh, but what we find out is that every time she's gone back, she's, she's experienced a new life where it's like, I'll be close to Professor X. I'll keep my distance from him. I'll help humankind. Uh, I'll help Magneto instead. On the eighth time, and before her last time coming back, before she meets him on the park bench, she decides to team up with Apocalypse, and she becomes a female version of Apocalypse to try and protect the future. Whoa. Like, she absorbs his powers, or she... No, they kind of just get married to each other, I believe, and she kind of gets a mystique look where she's, like, really teched out, and she starts putting herself in these own chambers to go forward enough into the future to see what will really occur so that when she dies, she can go back with greater knowledge. Oh, wow. All right, that's actually pretty useful. Get by in the almanac. Yes. Yeah, so, so she's, like, playing the mega long con here. Like yes. She's wow. And to kind of sum up the end of the arc... The and really lay the groundwork of where we're at. Uh, they come out with this final plan. So so we get back to the park bench, and Xavier's like, oh my god, he's just seen all of this over issues and issues and issues. And he says, okay, this is the final go-around. We have to do everything right. 
and he makes an alliance with every X-Men villain they've ever had. Mr. Sinister, Apocalypse, Magneto, Sabretooth, Toad. Uh, and all of mutant kind comes together, and they basically make clones and mental clones of every X-Men that's ever died. So every X-Men ever in continuity is set back to like a perfect one-to-one ratio, and that's where we're at right now. So every X-Men, including we got Banshee, is he there? Oh, uh, we got Part Banshee, of this baby. Whole thing? Uh, hell, multiple Wolverine. man, let's go. Yeah, we got everyone. I mean, this yeah. is. I mean, come on, it's like, an X-Men comic, so Wolverine's all over this thing. So that's where we're at now. Yeah, and what's crazy about it, I mean, this is the first time since Claremont that there's been a reset like this. Um, and, you know, obviously it's it's pretty telling that it comes after the Fox merger and when Disney can start making money off these characters that we decide to go ahead and bring them all back in, in a non-confusing way, even though it's super confusing. I think it's a great jumping in point the same way like Batman Hush was, where if you've never read these comics before and you're just aware of the names, you're going to like seeing these characters pop up. But if you're a diehard fan everybody. and you've and you've read all of this, you're going to be like, well, wait a minute, that is, that's not right. Because in, in the blood of apocalypse run, you find out that like chamber can't be changed because of what Scarlet witch did when she said no more mutants. Like all of that is now answered. And so Joe, boom, that's the big one right here. Cause this is where our big guy is right now. So we have N Sabanor, uh, apocalypse himself, on this Council of Mutants, where literally Charles Xavier says to him, we're going to be the ones who decide the future and make it happen. That's how the book ends. It's like, we're set up. Let's see where it goes. We have a thousand X-Men spinoffs now that are sort of showing the fallout of it. Apocalypse is in one. He's in uh, Marauders or Excalibur or whatever, where he now has the ability, Excalibur, thank you, Joe, to heal mutants who have had their powers taken away by the M-Day event of Scarlet Witch. Now, guys... That is over a 25-year-long con of, of, a, of a retcon. That's incredible. Yeah, yeah I remember I mean, House of M. Like an, an event where like people were left with like bird bones. <laughs> like you're not a mutant anymore, but you have bird bones, or like. But my son or my brain right was a, a small star, and it's like, yeah, now you're dead. <laughs> so, yeah. and we're we're fixing all that bullshit. The mutants are back. Literally, in more ways, like you said, after the merger, it's like, okay, this is a way to retcon all of that House of M stuff where, you know, it limited the number out there. And it's like, we've got to coincide. We've got our boy and and he's a good boy now. So again, it's like, what is the future of Apocalypse if they're sort of setting him down this path in the comics? I don't know. Obviously, this could all just be set up for a perfect heel turn. Yeah, Yeah, well, absolutely. You just got to kick Janetti through the barbershop window. That's a Shawn Michaels reference. Um (laughs) You know, that's real niche. Um, You know, another thing, we're talking about Marvel's Apocalypse. You know, there's a lot of talk these days while we're on the comics about kind of a a slider, the danger that the comics industry is in right now. Could this reboot of the X-Men kind of be a way to help circumvent or alleviate some of that danger? I mean, what do we think? It was super popular before all the stuff that's going on. So I don't know. The, The main book itself, House of X, Powers of X, that did so incredibly well for sales. But I'd be curious about these tie-ins, Joe. Like, let's see where these spinoffs go, right? Especially if Jonathan I mean, Hickman doesn't have his hand in all of them. Yeah, that's, that's what becomes tough, right? Because, I mean, this ties back to um, the introduction of Apocalypse from the get-go, 
when Apocalypse was first coming on the scene with X-Factor and, and New Mutants and um, uh, Power Pack and the, the X-Men books, all of these were kind of operating individually. And it wasn't until the creators of Apocalypse uh, got on the scene that they decided to do like the first big tie-in event. And these mutant tie-in events really became like a yearly staple. Um, so now here we are, you know, 40 years later, and you're kind of having the culmination of all of those tie-ins into something new. And it happens right when they're not making comic books right now. Like that is where we are. Uh. Um, they are on hold. Um, you know, there's a lot of like great companies that are doing everything they can to keep comic book shops alive. And that'll help, you know, alleviate some of the stress, but like. I think the business itself will survive. I think people will always want to read comics, but it's going to change. I think we're going to see a big turn to digital and uh, honestly some forgiveness from the big publishers for the comic book stores, which is going to be great because up until now, like they kind of had people in a stranglehold of like, you have to order 50,000 units of this book to get this specific cover and everyone wants that cover now they're actually letting them sell back their books for the first time. So it's kind of like a newsy situation where you don't have to eat oh, wow. and sell anymore. Oh, sure. And half these shops want to say to these companies, uh, I'm making more money off of Apocalypse Funko Pops, guys. Like, like let's yeah. let's be real here. I kind of don't need comic books anymore. Yeah, well, and like on that, like one of the big waves everyone's so excited about in Marvel Legends now is the Age of Apocalypse figures. They're doing... Uh, versions of those characters from the alternate timeline where he was king. You know, there's like crazy versions of characters where you have one-handed Wolverine and, and we're going to get like uh, Sabretooth with the little one who I believe his name is like Serval Joe. Uh, wild <laughs> Child. Wild Child. That's so think, much better. I think better. it's Wild Child. I'm Wild Child. Our uh, boy's weird right now. Like right now, Apocalypse is in a weird spot. So he's not, he does not want to be called N. Sabanur. He does not want to be called Apocalypse. He wants to be called dot dash dash a dash dash dot. So we'll just go ahead and call him Space Invader because that's pretty much what it looks like <laughs> on the page. It's unpronounceable. Um, and he's a guru. He's like the spiritual leader of the X Men now. Again, you know, he is this father time sort of figure. It makes sense. I, I just, again, don't see that as being sustainable for his relationship. Yeah, he's sitting on, like, the Council of, like, Silence or some, some bullshit like that. They have, like, a crazy name. We and, like, are they're the all chosen ones. <laughs> like, they're all wearing fancy suits. They're all, you know... Uh, I think this is definitely heading towards a heel turn, and I think Xavier might be part of that heel turn, which I think is kind of exciting. That's our favorite thing, Joe. And uh, just another part of him that you and I absolutely loved for a really long time was Evan Sabanor, his child that was like a reincarnation of Apocalypse for the New Age and Marvel now, who was, <laughs> and he was like best friends with Deadpool. Like Deadpool would take care of him and give him porno magazines, Mike. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's amazing. His yeah, uncle he Deadpool. <laughs> he didn't want to grow up and be his dad. I mean, it was the same kind of thing you had going with Quentin Queer not wanting to take over the Phoenix Force. It was yes. just a bunch of like misfit kids, very power pack, which was created by the same person who uh, created Apocalypse back in the day. Very power pack. And Joe, I kind of wonder why post Axis, when he got the full grown adult Apocalypse body, why not keep him in that and why not put him on champions? You know, let him be one of those child superheroes. 
That's a good point. I think, I mean, you're you're dealing with the difference between Marvel now and and whatever Marvel is now. Marvel <laughs> now now. Yeah, <laughs> it's the difference of the exclamation point. It's weird. I have a I have a general apocalypse question here because um, it seems like sometimes he's always like he's getting he's really powerful, but he needs like recharge the batteries or get a new body. Sometimes like he likes to take a nap or like. Is that consistent that he has to like transfer his powers a la Sheev Palpatine to or is it his own body Mike, where he just has to kind of take a nap? It's very uh Rise of the Skywalkers or whatever that really bad one's called, uh at the <laughs> end there. I remember an event in Uncanny Avengers where he literally has to uh beyond going back in his celestial spaceship charger, go up into space to meet the celestials to almost do some sort of accordance to be reimbursed with their energies, even to just survive using their technology. Yeah. Okay. Cause I read, you know, in my limited yeah research here, I know like he got the technology from the celestials. They're like, Hey, what are you doing, buddy? And they're like, Oh, we might need a favor from you, you know, in the future. But like, that's not really brought up too much. Maybe that's why he like has a commune with him. Be like, Hey guys, can I get an extension well, on was- my lease? You know, one of the big sleeps that he went through that cable inadvertently ends is uh, he was he was recharging his battery then. You know, got I don't it, have lightning it. cords. It takes a long time. Yeah, yeah. So on Earth, it's <laughs> finite. Yeah, so he, he can run out of juice every once in a while. But. So, all right, we hinted at it for a second, but let's just talk about it because we brought up the Celestials again. Mike and Joe, in your opinion, we get the Eternals movie there's a moment at the beginning where there'll be like a prologue where they go, you know, when the celestials brought our people here, they use their great spaceships and we see like a, a 3d like universe or earth or something. Does one of those spaceships go to Egypt and maybe it crash lands or something? Like what would a good tie in be? Will we ever see I mean, him I again, it, Joe? <laughs> um, Maybe. Maybe we'll see him again, but I think undoubtedly they'll land in Egypt. Like, undoubtedly they're going to play on ancient uh, aliens and stuff like that. And then, you know, fans who, who know the X-Men well will be like, oh, that's an Ebsomanure, we're going to get Apocalypse, blah, 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 blah. Maybe they'll go that way, but I don't know. I don't know. I hope, my like, my concern is that they're going to end up doing... Like mixing the Inhumans origin with the X Men origin because you're gonna that. have the Celestials coming and like maybe Celestials created mutants. I don't want any of that. Like it's all just. And then you got Hercules in the corner who's like, and I'm here too. <laughs> you're like, no, get out of here. Like, <laughs> like we can't explain any of this. Yeah. Oh no, but you also have Thor. And like, look, comic books are confusing and they're they're loaded with retcons and changes. Uh, that'll never change. Like, the only constant in comics is change. But I really hope they don't give the Inhumans the same story. And Like, you tried that already. Or how about this, Joe? We know that the Loki series is maybe dealing with the Time Variance Authority. Maybe a Kang appearance. Do we get a Ramses II? Do we get a, a glimpse into Egypt where there's a little bandit boy? I could see that. I could see... I mean, Kang is like... Such an interesting char- character. I I always thought he would be great for a post-Thanos world. Like, you want to retcon anything, that guy literally travels through time retconning mistakes. Like, well, yeah, and Endgame is retcon the movie. You don't think he would come back and be like, hey, you guys fucking broke time. Yeah, I know you. I know you broke time. Like, I'm here to fix it again. Oh, and yeah, by the way, mutants exist in this reality. You, you never saw them before. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. It's gonna, I, yeah, 
Yeah, who fucking knows? It's like I'm worried about how we get introduced apocalypse. It's like no, they're they're trying to figure out fucking Wolverine. Yeah, and <laughs> that's like the, their goal. The thing with apocalypse, I mean, he is like I said before. I really do see him as the X Men Thanos. He is the oh, you need a a hot summer book that's the X Men verse the end of the world. Yeah, apocalypse. That makes sense for me. The X Men are way better when they're. Star Trekian moral tales about you know diversity and uh, your your threats are people who don't understand them or squabbles a la like Malcolm X and and Martin Luther King like yes when ideology. you had this this crazy like space god I don't know it gets it gets a little far away from it and I don't think we'll see Apocalypse take the Thanos throne you know what I mean right well it seems like. You know, on the Star Trekian note, you know, one of the messages of his origin seems like they, they threw him out, you know, because they're like, oh, your skin's a, a different. You're purple. Get out of here, purple guy. And then didn't he like have uh, in a relationship with um, some lady? But then he showed his true form and she's like, oh, you're you're purple. Get out of here. And that's when his power is awoken. So, like, don't don't treat anybody too different or they might become a space god and nobody <laughs> needs that. He's Yeah, he's purple in the movie, isn't it? Like, that's... Yeah, he's purple. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> he's, he's gray in the comics. Like, yes. when he's a little boy, he's gray with blue lips. Yes. Um, and the okay. armor is blue. And then, like, that's the armor is blue. Yeah. yeah. Um, in some of the games, he's slightly purplish because we would call him um, all purple lips. <laughs> There you go. Um, instead of Apocalypse. But I think, yeah, he's generally like gray and blue in the, the artist renditions I've seen. But I don't see Marvel being in a huge rush to bring another bald, off-hued skin person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He is kind of the perfect foil, though, in just what you guys were saying. And I really liked what uh, Joe said about the ideologies, the Martin Luther King versus the Malcolm X. We know we've got that with Professor X and Magneto. Don't judge us on our mm-hmm. character Don't or judge us on our character, not the content of our skin. Apocalypse is sort of like, well, don't even associate me with these people. Like, I don't even want to be considered a human being anymore. Like, I'm I'm no, way I'm beyond way that. So he's you. he's kind of the yeah. ultimate end of it. He's like the super space Hitler, just pure social Darwinism, survival of the fittest. I don't care if you're a human or you know a mutant. Like I said, you know. Homo superiors, any of that, just oh, yeah. whatever's stronger. Answered. There's always going to be a bigger racist. Mm-hmm. The fact that Magneto can point at somebody and be like, ah, oh, filthy humans. And then Apocalypse could point at him and be Muggles. like, fucking filthy mutant. <laughs> like, you're all disgusting to me, too. It's like, oh, shit. Uh, yeah, there's something going on there. And, of course, we know that that is the root of the X-Men, civil rights. Mm-hmm. And then I guess it, Apocalypse threatens the civil rights of all things, yeah, mutant and human-like, human alike so yeah he certainly uh is killing us with this virus which i'm positive he released uh i kind of think that's <laughs> it for the survival of the fittest you know let's let's talk a little bit more about him let's jump to some other media let's jump over to the movie now We're back. We're talking X-Men Marvel's Apocalypse, the character. Uh, We're going to talk about his TV appearances, his movie appearance. Um, Obviously most famous, 1992's X-Men, the animated series. Now, a little fact here. I wanted to know if you guys knew this. It's played by actor John Colicos. Now, he played a Klingon Commander Corps on Star Trek, the original series. 
and then reprise that character 25 years later on Deep Space Nine. Is that a character you guys are familiar with at all? Uh, I am familiar with Core from the Deep Space Nine episode, but n- not, like I never made the connection to the original series. Is it like um, one of those dumb Scotty episodes that they'll do with the next generation where they're like, look at this old guy we dragged up. And it's just like the whole episode is based around that. He's like a Klingon warrior. And by that future, the Klingons are good, right? They're like, you know, the war with the Federation is done. I'm trying to remember what his DS9 was, but I believe it is. There's a group of Klingons who are trying to like um, restore their honor and they're looking for the sword of Kalas or something. And so he's like one of the guys on the mission to like I was thinking ride to Valhalla. Be, um, they don't realize that the war is over and they don't believe that the war is over. Oh, he served like a is World that- War II, those Japanese island people who who would keep going. Yeah. Well, they... Is that they the knew episode? Curzon Dax. No, it's that group of Klingons who knew Curzon. They meet oh, okay. Jaxia, who, you know, through Trill. This is more complicated than the X-Men, but then they're like, okay, <laughs> you you used to be Curzon. You can come with us on our mission to do Klingon shit. Um, uh, in this like apocalypse, old, will old... I finally get into Star Trek, guys? <laughs> Wait and see, Norman. <laughs> you got nothing but time. <laughs> that's okay. But but they that, hired him because of that crazy also. voice. Like, they hired him because he was intimidating as a Klingon. And he just brings this booming quality to Apocalypse. He got his, he got seasons out of this thing. You know, he was introduced, I believe, by the second one. But he would pop up all the time, right, Joe? Yeah, I mean, again, it was whenever you needed a big bad. Like, that's that's what he was. And they really played on the size changing and the matter shaping. Yeah, so, I really love that Mike zeroed in and... on the growing. Yeah. The growing, it's like, for some reason in my mind, too, when I saw the trailer for the movie and they, they showed him, like, getting big in that one scene, I was like, okay, yeah, I guess Apocalypse is going to be good. <laughs> There's something about it. But the jackhammer arm, too. I always really hated that as a kid. Like a saw blade, but that's so like it's perfect for the cartoons. It's like like Joe said, what do you need him to be? Uh, I need him to be a saw blade. I need him to be a laser weapon. I need him to be a hundred feet tall. Beams out of his eyes. He can kick a building. You got to think too. This is the '90s. This is the the maximum carnage era. This is extreme comics. You have Carnage who you know is making weapons out of his hands. Why wouldn't Apocalypse Mm -hmm. do that as well? Yeah, blade control matter. But this is his voice. Like this is the voice that I hear in my head when I imagine apocalypse. Same, and like, you got to sure. wonder how much uh, Oscar Isaac's was pulled into this. You know, I remember reading when Joseph Gordon-Levitt was doing Cobra Commander, how he was like, "Well, how can I not do hints of the most iconic voice of all time?" Where it's like, "Get the jewels!" <laughs> it's like yeah. you just yeah. know what that asshole sounds like. You know what apocalypse sounds like. Yeah, and, and like you can't not. It's like Optimus Prime. Like you're gonna end up doing an impersonation of the cartoons version of that, no matter what. Oh yeah, and Peter Cullen's always doing that. Or look at uh, the new Scooby Doo movie coming out, where they were like, just get Frank Welker to do it. Like they tried to get somebody else to do Scooby, and it's like it's not fucking happening, guys. Just get him to do it. Um, Meanwhile, Konami's like, let's replace. Uh, we'll get Keith for Sutherland to be Solid Snake. It's like, <laughs> why do you betray the voice? Anyway, so now let's jump over to uh, what I will call my favorite interpretation of the character. I said the voice is so iconic in X-Men animated, but I would say the most justice is done in X-Men Evolution, the teenage series of the 2000s, where the entire last series is just devoted to Apocalypse, Joe. Oh, yeah, this is uh, this is probably the the go to version of the character. If you want to know what he's more like in the comic books. I mean, you have a, mm. a season-long plot. 
you have good guys turning bad and and the introduction of soon to be heroes starting as villains which is also something you see a lot in the the x-men universe with gambit now quiet Ah. he's a quiet version because he's more of a voice of god right he has detached himself almost completely we see him often out of the suit floating around in just his gray godlike state before powering up really at the conclusion of the series Nice, and I didn't watch enough X Men Evolution, so like this Ooh. seems like a pretty cool origin. Mike, Especially it's on Disney Plus. Go you gotta check it out. I, it might be hey. the best version of it. Like, right, Joe? I, I'll, I'll give it credit for saying Avi Arad, the guy who's fucking screwed up so much of Spider Man. This might be the one thing yep. he ever got right, where he came to TV execs and said, "I want to do two things: put the X Men young again." And I want to put them in a public school, not going to Xavier's Academy because kids need to relate to them in the real world. And I really dug that interpretation. It, it makes a lot of sense. I actually just rewatched this series. And yeah, like it really does do some pretty interesting stuff. They have a, um, a uh, Project Rebirth episode with Magneto and Wolverine and Captain, uh, Captain America. America. Uh, and it's a really well done episode of television and like. They also kind of pull both in style and some of the storylines from the Ultimate Universe, which I really enjoy. Um, and while we're while we're on the Ultimate Universe, you, you know, you mentioned he's kind of like more godlike in this show. In the Ultimate Universe, he is an an ancient being that is worshipped by uh, Mister Sinister. Uh, that like he is a, the the evil mutant god that they are trying to bring to life and like that kind of plays into the way they did him on on evolution that makes sense and i always like the interpretation of the one episode i don't know if they're adapting like the living monolith but they make that scarab tank thing that the x-men have to chase down i always think about when gambit like blows up that truck on the side of it just a lot of cool action scenes mike i think you'd really dig the series yeah, I got, well, like I said, we got plenty of time now that we're all in lockdown. So X-Men <laughs> Evolution, Apocalypse, yeah, I'll probably be checking probably this out. It's on uh, Disney Plus now, now. And then probably the saddest version that, um, you know, I still think about sometimes. There was a show called Wolverine and the X-Men. It ran for one season. Uh, Mike, are you familiar with this show at all? No, but I see uh, them going for that top billing with the old Wolverine again. <laughs> yeah, so I'll give <laughs> oh, you a can you fucking blame him, Mike? Um, it is <laughs> no one season, and it takes place over two different timelines. Uh, Professor X is stuck in the future, and it is a dark future where the Sentinels have taken over and mutants are in camps. It's terrible. And then Wolverine in the present, trying to make sure that that future doesn't happen. It's one season, mm-hmm. and at the end of the season, uh, Wolverine's like, "Did we do it, Professor? Is the future better?" And he says, no, it's worse. And you get a glimpse, and the, the, the world he is in now is the age of apocalypse. A fucking Never floating a pyramid. Season. Cyclops is standing, waving next to Mr. Sinister. He has his age of apocalypse, one-eyed Cyclops look, and out comes Long hair, wordless apocalypse. Arm. If you're me and Joe, you're like, oh, man. great. Okay, like even not loving apocalypse, that's such a big thrust for them to go with it's just going to be exciting to watch and see it develop nothing when like the age of apocalypse versions of those characters are batshit crazy and super cool to see and yeah never got a second season man such a disappointment and scott summers is such like generally a wet blanket so to have like a version of him with a weird eye patch over one of his 
eyes and like long hair. Like doing anything with him is more interesting. Oh, and so the whole series is brooding Cyclops because Gene's dead and he's like, I'm actually the badass Wolverine. They they earn the title, uh, Mike, because Wolverine is the headmaster of the school now. And he's like, no, I, I'm in charge. You, you can't be a badass. It's like a uh, uh, roll flip. <laughs> He's wearing now it's a my turn to be coat. a badass. He's got that uh, astonishing X Men look. Yeah, like I, you know, I think Cyclops kind of gets a bad rap. When I was a kid, I didn't like him, and the older I got, the more I was like, you know, Cyclops was right. Cyclops he's just trying right. to be responsible and stuff, I guess. Magneto's right. <laughs> Apocalypse was never right, though, in our opinion. So let's talk yeah. about his right. movie appearance, guys. Now you're saying, speaking of not right, <laughs> you're saying first appearance, 2016 <laughs> X Men Apocalypse. Eh, eh, eh. I'm wagging my finger at you because you guys aren't thinking about the Days of Future Past post-cred scene where there's just a blue bald-headed child and you're supposed to go like, oh, okay, uh-oh. Yeah. Oh, man, I forgot about that completely. Okay, so, oh, so that rough. was also Oscar Isaac. Yeah, 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 but we're supposed to assume <laughs> from what we learn from this universe uh, in the BS-directed film um, that mm-hmm. this... I don't even know if they say alien. Do they? I guess he's probably just a mutant, right, Joe? But we we find out he's that this long living being has the ability to transfer its consciousness into the bodies of others. So whatever that kid was, it could have been the original body. It could have been whatever. But obviously, the film starts off with a shaved head. You know, very Egyptian looking Oscar Isaac's getting it turned over to him. Yeah, it's a uh, super Stargate. I mean, this is literally the plot of Stargate. Yes. And the fact that, again, we're seeing floating pyramids, you know, people in like Horus heads, uh, but otherwise naked bodies walking around. Yeah. I'm like, where is Kurt Russell? We we got to get out of here and get back to Earth. <laughs> yeah. There's like weird gold microchip technology looking like it's going on inside of the pyramid where they're having the ceremony. And then from the rest of the time, Oscar Isaac is uh, covered in makeup. So it's good seeing <laughs> you, buddy. Covered in makeup. Mike, he has these like prosthetic physical things coming up over half of his face from like well just take that off it's like it just it at least let me see all of his body well and here's a uh just, i know you're always trying to say uh, that elbow body. tubes that's all he needs elbow um, tubes elbow tubes really would have gone a long way for me i'll be honest with you <laughs> yeah another another voice controversy right i mean you had bane and no one could understand bane and you had oscar <laughs> isaac no one could understand a line that this guy said. It's so interesting yeah, that you're making these movies and it just not even for a moment are you like, ah, what the fuck is this? <laughs> like, what are we? I know that like these are the hot trend. We're doing this. But Apocalypse on the page, the reason that they use the blue ink, you know, the Shakespearean language and stuff is because comics are part of your imagination. They have to be built up so that you can understand and experience them. They're, they are camp. They truly are camp. So when you put something into a film, you have to ground it just a little bit, baby, even if it is Egyptian space aliens. Yeah, or, you know, it's like, look at the Thanos direction. Like, would this have benefited from being a big CG thing? I, I like Oscar Isaac being actually there. He looks a little Ivan Ooze from the Power Rangers movies, you know. But <laughs> and there it is. There's the big comparison. It looks. That's what we get a lot. So much like him. Did you guys even like Ivan Ooze when you were kids? I remember when he popped up on those movies. I was like, I want fucking Master Zed or Lord Zed or whatever his name is. I don't yeah, like this Lord guy. Lord Zed and Rita Repulsa. Yes, I don't like him and, then, and I don't like Apocalypse. And then Ivan Ooze just comes in and cucks both of them and is like, hey, get out of here. You're not real villains. Yeah. I, I thought Ivan Ooze. 
Yeah, Classic. but he's like making the parents like walk off a cliff. Like that's pretty threatening. I don't know. <laughs> but um <laughs> that's too scary. I think I think with this version of Apocalypse, like, yeah, the voice would have gone a long way, you know, like Optimus Prime, just get the actual guy because you can always understand what he says. You know, he always says the same thing. You know, the weak will perish and the strong will survive. <laughs> yada, yada, yada. <laughs> so let me pose this question to you, Joe, real quick, because we yeah. haven't really touched on a much the traditional horseman roles. But in this film, mm-hmm. how satisfied are you with these horsemen where you're like, oh, Psylocke, obviously this is the first X-Men movie she should the appear in. The most iconic horseman. Angel, he'll, he'll not at all look like the archangel that I know and love, the blue and purple. Mm-mm. Yep. Yeah, no, I think this is the uh, the worst X-Men movie, which is saying a lot. Wow, I know you hate Days of Future Past, there too, right? There two Phoenix movies that are bad. Huh? Yeah, would you say well. worse than Phoenix? Did you see Phoenix, Joe? Uh, yeah, I saw Phoenix. Phoenix is the only one that ever got Cyclops' power right. He actually, like, ricochets shit and, like, yes. not just fire blasts. So I give it a big pass on that. And the and train's was, cool. You know. And the train's cool, and you actually have, like, Jean Grey in space and kind of that connection I like with uh, Liliandra and all that. This movie is, like, I fucking hate that Magneto's living on a farm with a family and it's not Polaris or Quicksilver or any of his, like, he's got, like, five fucking kids in the comics. Why are you making up two, like, normal people and he lives in, like, a wood cabin? Hate that. Hate that he's one of the not fucking Hawkeye. I yeah, am like, almost shocked that Mystique was not one of them, aren't you? It's almost like oh, yeah. that she was like, well, no, I would get less screen time if I was a, a crony. But then you almost wonder, but the Michael Fassbender argument is it's like, well, Michael Fassbender, we have to we have to put him next to him. So it's just so unbalanced. Well, because they needed, they needed Magneto to still be a bad guy because they couldn't fathom like actually having him not be one. For, for two minutes and then it's uh yeah terrible angel yes already did that and it's the second it's the second time we've seen angel because angel was in fucking last stand and they actually like yep. had his origin story right instead of just i'm cage fighting and you have caliban yeah. for like the fifth fucking time caliban say 15 years old instead caliban. of like a thousand like yeah i hate this movie I hate this movie. Joe, if we ever see uh, Magneto again, would you like him to be a villain? I would kind of already like to see him have established Genosha or maybe Asteroid M, and he's more of like a neutral party already. Um, I mean, it's tough. It's tough, man. Like, it depends on what they're going to do. I don't want to see Kid Cyclops and, like, the, the original team again because they just butchered that, and, like, the, the bad yeah. taste is still in my mouth. Like, give me... Like an old man, not an old man, but like Cyclops is the leader. You barely ever see Professor X. Maybe play Professor X like a jerk for once because he yeah. is a jerk. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. You and Professor I have X, said over and over that what they need to do, they 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 tease it with the Laura Condor as Jubilee and then they don't even use her. Do a point of view film from a Jubilee or a Kitty Pride just fucking walking into this world like we are as the audience. Yeah, I mean, I would, I would just pull a a giant size X Men one, uh, Claremont back in the day, and make that your fucking go to. You like, would do the whole Wolverine. the island of Krakoa where they're all living now, where Apocalypse is reigning on the the board of mutants. You would put the living island stuff in there. <laughs> I would either do that or I, I liked Asteroid M. I think that would be a good play, and then just yeah. adapt that. 
And Genosha's Gen- good too. I could see that. But like, yeah, I mean, yeah, how but they just fucked it up with Dark Phoenix, where it's another one of these little farms that Magneto's doing, and you just go, "What the yeah. fuck is this?" Well, it's it's so terrible. It, it, to get back to this terrible movie, so the the four horsemen are Storm is is Storm and Psylocke are the two we're missing here. Yeah, yeah terrible, yeah. terrible. Why are these characters? Well, Why because these- Storm, you could have the Egyptian connection. Oh, okay. A, Ugh. She just happened to be yeah, there. the queen yeah, of Africa nearby. who just happens to be a thief when she's 10 years old in Cairo. It's like, well, no, we're, we're not going to do that, but we'll kind of do it. And it's like, okay, but again, it's just, why? Why? Yeah, no one's making you do this, man. <laughs> like, if, if you're having no such a bad time, just do something else. Right, no one's making you... Put Psylocke as one of the horsemen. Sorry, Olivia Munn. <laughs> I did not see this movie in theaters. This was one of the first Ooh. X-Men movies that I was like, no, I'm not going to watch that in theaters. I think I did. I think I made my mom take like, me. <laughs> and, then when, and then when it finally hit HBO, I was like, okay, I'll give it a go. And I was a like, joke. Oh, that was fucking terrible. Even worse, I think I have this on uh, Blu-ray with the, the DVD download or whatever. I think I can watch this on digital at any time. I think I might do it right when we get done here. Slap um, it on your Switch. It does have... Th- is this the one where you get the best Wolverine cameo, though? Because Yes. Yes. 100% this is the one, Joe, where the, the teen kids get taken to the base where William Stryker is working on Weapon X, and you get Wolverine... Buck ass naked with the you want to talk tubes again, Mike, with the tubes coming out of him. <laughs> He's got the weapon X dope. Hell yeah. Judge Red Red Strip helmet. Uh that, you know, again, if you're doing a Disney Plus show or something, just weapon exit, man. Let me just have an entire two episodes of Feral Wolverine before he finally speaks in the third episode. <laughs> oh man, I would love that. But yeah, I hate yeah. this movie. <laughs> like um, it's bullshit. He's also dusting things like before Thanos. So I guess Marvel Studios ripped that off of Fox Studios. Um, but like, what yeah. is he like? He can he can control the matter of other people as well. I mean, this is one of those like his power set is confusing in the comics. In the movie, it just makes no fucking no. sense. Like he, can he could literally people's. say, "I ate a mutant that had that power." So, and you're like, okay, yeah. So is he like? Uh, a Mazo, where he can just like absorb mutants' powers in this movie. That's a great way to put it. I would have said uh, Peter Petrelli from the Heroes series. <laughs> so that that shows you where I'm at. But uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, Mike, a little more like Siler. <laughs> I'm gonna kill you. Yeah, Mike. <laughs> when we see these pictures of Oscar Isaac in Dune now, where he is looking so badass and he's wearing this like incredible armored suit. I don't know if you've seen these. But do you think he's just like looking back on his time uh, with a pre-scandal BS and just saying like, what the fuck was I doing? I was so hot after, um, uh, what, what's Force that Coen Brothers singing movie? Oh, one of my favorites. Yeah. Inside Lewin Davis. Thank you. Of course, of course. Uh, where they're like, yeah, this guy, I mean, he could have been an Oscar nominee. So yeah, obviously he has to play Apocalypse. Right. I mean... Oscar Isaac, he's great. You know, I he's you love Poe. You have defended Poe Dameron. Well, here's let me talk about Poe because I do love Poe. But I think being in um, 
the debacle that has come to be the Star Wars postquel trilogy would make you forget anything you did with the X-Men. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think that's a way bigger thing know, than weighing Mike, on his but mind. You're in the least liked uh um Star Wars movies, and then you're in one of the least liked Marvel movies, I would just or comic book movies, I would say across the board. Do you think that's hitting the ego? I I wonder, but then you know you get a Disney check every month. Yeah, and a Fox check, and now they can come together <laughs> at the same time to go to the bank once. But do you think he's deposit. I don't think. Do you think Joe? Do you think, think he won't so. come I, back to be Mister Miracle? I he, I think he's burned by the machine. <laughs> he's got such a good disposition, though. Like I re- I really love him. He can do no wrong to me, man. Yes. I, I I love that dude. Um, but this movie, I've been sitting on this. Yeah, I've been sitting on this line all day. So from. X-Men to X Machina, Oscar <laughs> Isaac is going to be just fine. <laughs> he gets us. He nails us with one, Normies. Mike is here. I need to I need to mention one thing about this uh, Apocalypse movie. Is I, I was always a big fan of Archangel as well as a kid, you know, with the, the knife wings and, you know, the whole thing. And so to not have the suit and just have a cage fighter, as Joe said, was another big miss for me. Because, you know, I want to see a cool Archangel, and we didn't get it. And the Warren Worthing we got from... Uh, Last stand oh, was Foster. like at least the good origin. Ben Foster yeah, versus was, Ben Hardy is the name of this guy. Mike, he's a first time actor who was a model who was friends with BS and probably went to one of his underage boy bars. I mean, that's libel. I, I'm not saying that, obviously. So, you know, who knows? Uh, to cover myself, I'll say there. But you just got to well, wonder. Here. It's like one of the most important parts of Apocalypse is the archangel relationship and sort of the he abuse and death. codependency. He is death. Thank you. And it's like, well, let me get and a guy who's never acted before. <laughs> like, this is the perfect guy to play this role. You know, BS didn't get COVID-19 because he was uh, preferring COVID-17 or 16. <laughs> oh, that is a mean one. We like it here, Norman. Yeah. We, we like bringing it Roasted. Down. Um, he's hurt us too Anytime. much with these X Men films, and and this is one that uh, hurt me. I'll just pose it one last wrap up question then for for this side of it, just to say, Mike, do you think they would ever use Apocalypse again? And then I'll ask Joe same question. I think they'll they might bring it in basically with the the X gene and the origin of mutants. They always have the door open a crack, also with the multiverse of madness and. There's always a way to do it, and we need to get mutants into the MCU one way or another. Xavier's doing a lecture. He's doing a a projection where he says the X gene, when it first developed, and we see you know a a silhouette of a kid in a sandy dune, and then it spreads, and we see the world of of mutants. Maybe. Joe, what Mm -hmm. what do we think? Yeah, I mean, I I hope in that capacity we do, like— you know, anything that you add from the comics that lets me go and bother Cassie a million times over to be like, oh, this is what that's from. And, and <laughs> explain it a thousand times makes me happy. <laughs> um, in terms of like as the big bad, I hope we're at least like 15, 20 years away from that. I hope we see characters like Omega Red and, and yes. uh, Sabretooth. Sauron. And, yeah, Sauron. Give me, give me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but I don't want Badlands. to cancer i want to turn people into dinosaurs <laughs> dinosaurs the savage <laughs> oh, land. oh man we get star lord we got to get star lord into the savage lands yeah ASAP. so good but yeah um, like give me <laughs> savage land brotherhood uh weapon x like i'll take all of those angles and a good sinister way before i take uh apocalypse you know maybe yes. you could do what they did with the first Avengers movie where it ends and you get a glimpse of Thanos with the first end of whatever the X-Men trilogy is. Where 12 you have, movies later. 
Yeah, like, oh, here's Mr. Sinister. He's been worshipping this thing called Apocalypse. And then, you know, you see it for a second. You know, you could have, like, Mark Ruffalo or the equivalent, like he mispronounces Wakanda, be like, Ebunseer. Oh, so bad. I say no. I say no, guys, because we've seen Kevin Feige's uh, resistance in the Spider-Man universe. And again, who knows what the rights issues might actually be more wrapped up in that, where he says, I don't want to repeat myself. And it seems like so many fans just clamor more for to see the Dark Phoenix stuff done correctly. I'm just not sure there is more of that wide uh, spread recognition the for charm. Age of Apocalypse. Yeah. So I, stop, I think beyond Kevin Feige's time, ones. I think the next guy who takes it over will be like, and these are where my weird X-Men movies are building towards. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I really hope we avoid any of the big arcs like don't give me days of future past don't give me you know um like give me like god hates mutants and like that's it you know what i mean like give me simple moral tales with the x-men not these these avengers level threats yeah i'm telling you i always forget what it's fucking called but welcome to the x-men kitty pride dive right in or whatever the fucking real title is it's like that should be the name of an x-men movie that we all go and see (laughs) All right, let's jump over to the video game section because surprisingly this guy pops up as the bad guy in about a thousand of them. Let's talk video games with Apocalypse. We're back. Uh, talking Apocalypse, we're talking the video games Apocalypse appears in now. Obviously, a lot of the ones uh, that are just X-Men based, but a lot of them specifically. We're talking Mutant Apocalypse, the name of the game, 1994's, where they're going off of that Jim Lee revamped look. It's obviously kind of a tie-in to the animated series, if you guys ever played this one. It's an SNES exclusive. One of my favorite SNES games of all time. Because the um, art style, right? That Capcom beautiful oh, sprite work, Joe, where you're like, Cyclops I mean, looks amazing. I'm playing as so Beast, good. and I never thought I could do this. And the way it works, if you've never played that game, I highly recommend you try to track it down either on an emulator or, or break out your old SNES. Uh, you play, you can pick a mission, and you're either going to do, you're going to be one X-Men on a mission. So you can do Gambit's missions, Beast's missions, Psylocke's missions, Cyclops, uh, and Wolverine, I think. I think that's it, right? Five Do you think the screen Psylocke played as this well. game Did you mention Psylocke? and saw Psylocke, Joe, did, and he was yeah. like, yeah, let's put Psylocke in these movies. Yeah. And then Mutant Apocalypse, like, I don't remember ever fighting Apocalypse in that game. I He's not the final the boss, uh, very interestingly. He's sort of just, it is, um, uh, Magneto is the final boss, Joe, but he's like, yeah. I would say maybe the eighth, Second you know, right before boss, the 10th or something. Yeah, exactly, where you're just like, all right, it's called Mutant Apocalypse. We should probably fight Apocalypse. Yeah, and they just like put him on the cover. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, you know he's he's got name recognition. Yeah, this is like um, you're like shutting down Sentinel factories, and then you're fighting the Brood, and then yeah, I guess you do go to space for a little bit. Yeah, it's like every mutant, like Gambit and everybody, they each have their own stage, you know. So you have to play one level as each mutant, and then like the end section is almost like a boss rush. You fight Omega Red, you fight Apocalypse, and you fight Magneto, and then that you can use whoever you want. Um, 
I wish he was featured yeah. in that special Pride of the X-Men just so we could see what he would have looked like in the arcade game. Like, how badass <laughs> would he have been as a villain in that? I mean, we got Wendigo in that game, Joe, but we're not fighting fucking Apocalypse. Like, who yeah, again, who is in up. charge of that he license? He shows up thing? in, like... He shows up in, like, every fucking game except the one that everyone knows, the the arcade game. Exactly. Look at the next one, X-Men versus Street Fighter. Like, the first crossover that I was aware of, you know, we had that um, Marvel Superheroes game, which was just a straight-up fighter between the Marvel world. They said, that's super successful. Let's cross it over with the uh, Street Fighter. In that first one, Thanos was the ultimate bad guy. Here we've got Apocalypse. Yeah, and this is kind of out of the yeah. You said Marvel versus Capcom, Marvel versus Capcom Two. Those are still those are hugely popular, and then uh, Street Fighter Alpha. So it's of that time period where Capcom was doing these amazing like two D sprite work again. It's a little bit more polished than the SNES games because it's uh, getting to the PlayStation, but it looks incredible. But yeah, now we've done Thanos, so the big bad for just X Men and Street Fighter. Let's limit the roster. It's not all of Capcom. It's not all of Marvel. They just trim it yes. down, and we we get um. Apocalypse, you fight his big arm. You fight his, he's one of these things where, and again, uh, Joe, what's the amalgamation between, it's like the love child of like Magneto and Xavier. He's Onslaught. Like the, onslaught, thank you. Uh, he, he will eventually take over this role in the later ones, but the, they always have these sort of floating, gigantic background characters where you want to target the head while their hands, you know, move around and you're, you're getting away from them. Uh, Mike, you said it. This sprite work, the art here in the Children of the Atom video game series that are going to come after this, mm. it's like too extreme. You're getting like the buffest juggernaut you've ever seen where like his <laughs> dick is like exploding <laughs> out of his armor. It's like, no, no, no. Just like this is this apocalypse is perfect. Yeah. The Marvel vs. Capcom art is really good. And he comes out, I am apocalypse and he's normal size. And then he grows really huge. Blah, blah, and then he's just. You know, you're punching his arm in his face. Yeah, it's a apocalypse. He's always growing. Always stay I, growing. I, that's a reason I zeroed in on the trailer. Man, I'm telling you, where I was like, oh, yeah, that's that makes me feel familiar. <laughs> I'm a child again. Yep. These uh, next uh, let's ones talk about the I'm really stoked for. Yes, this I mean, the big one, right? We got to jump in on it. Uh, X-Men Legends. It's uh, Apocalypse Rise of Apocalypse. The X-Men Legends video game series. This was the sequel um, the sort of ARPG early development, we're going to see these become the Marvel Ultimate Alliance games. I fucking yeah, love the, these the games, precursor. guys. Oh, yeah. these, these games were the ones that started it all, you know? You were you had the X-Men, and then I think, like, they had a couple random characters, like Spider-Man you got eventually, and then, like, Iron Man. Iron Man, Man you would unlock with pieces, Joe. But as a yeah. kid who would play Diablo and, like... I love fantasy, but you know the, the the warrior. He's he's nobody. He's just a nameless guy. The fact mm-hmm. that like as a kid, I was like, I'm fucking Colossus right now, and I'm upgrading his moves and choosing what I want to do. And it's like a and really good story with Apocalypse. And, yeah, and he's like powering up how he should. There's team well, and the great moves. thing about the the sequel, The Rise of Apocalypse, is that you had uh, the Brotherhood and the X Men come together. So you could yes. play as Magneto. You could be the bad guys. Because everyone was coming together to take down Apocalypse. And and yeah, could- I mean, like this one, unlike Ultimate Alliance 2, where it kind of like took some stuff out, I feel like it just kind of like took everything you loved and gave you, gave you more. Now, Joe and I one time did a run to a Savers or some sort of secondhand store in college after a f- you had just brought back an Xbox, uh, I believe, an original Xbox from maybe your parents' house or yeah. something. 
And we tracked down this game because it was like, well, that's the fucking game I want to play. I want to play X-Men Legends 2 Rise of Apocalypse. And we fucking, it was just, again, one of those nights where we would sit down and play these battle-style RPGs. Yeah, what was the horror-based one we did? Oh, um, Hunter the Reckoning. Hunter the Reckoning we were obsessed with. Mike, did you ever play any of those terrible games? Not Hunter the Reckoning, but, you know, we would play a lot of these ARPGs as well. Um, Me and my cousin Steven, we would play the Baldur's Gate. We would play um, Champions of Norath, and we would play the X-Men Legends game and Marvel Ultimate Alliance. So uh, we jumped into a lot of them. Uh, Like, instead of, like you said, fantasy, I love fantasy, but instead of playing Diablo, we would most often just play X-Men Legends 2. Now, Joe, does it kind of surprise you that uh, Ultimate Alliance 3, one of the DLC packs, when you've got the Fantastic Four, you've got the um, uh, the Night Stalkers, and then you have the X-Men, it, it was a cool download, uh, wasn't Apocalypse-based. I mean, he's he's nowhere to be seen in this game. Again, does that sort of key you into maybe where they're thinking about his future? Yeah, I mean, like, the X-Men in this game is very much an introduction level X-Men, right? You get the core characters. They look like they did in the 90s. It's yeah. for people who are like, oh, I sort of know what the X-Men are. Okay, Sentinels, yeah. oh, big Magneto, purple pink guys. It's Sentinel, like, you know yeah. this look. Like, okay. Yeah. yeah. They're not going to like fucking bring Apocalypse in, which is crazy to say in a game where like Kree and the Infinity Stones and Thane are the bad guys. Like, yeah, oh, or that even Doctor so Doom coming back. Wild. Yeah, after yeah. so long where you're just like, these are, again, kind of some people that they haven't played into their house for in a while. But, Joe, you, you're right in that it's like, but this is Marvel coming back to video games for the first time in a long time. This has to be an aperitif. Like, this is a taste. We are not overloading the senses here. Yeah. No, I mean, I hope, like, I, I love being able to play as some of the X-Men that they have in that game. Um, again, it's not as good as the, the old ones, but it's, it's not. Still I, honestly, I would play this uh, Legends 2. If they ported it to the Switch right now, I might sink more time into that than we do Ultimate Alliance 3. Normies, you, you've you tracked our history with this game in old episodes. We're like, it's coming out. It's going to be the best game ever. And then hit or shits where Joe and I finally get our hands on it and go, ugh. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you port any of the X-Men Legends or Marvel uh, Ultimate Alliance games. Like, that's that's my life. It's happening. Or, you know, Joe, how many times have I said again, more uh, SNES games on the Switch? Uh, Mutant Apocalypse, motherfuckers. Uh, let's get rolling here. Yeah, that and Maximum Carnage. Give me both. Come on. There you go. And a uh, fun fact, you know, hearkening back to how Doom created everything from video games, uh, the X-Men Legends games and the first Marvel Ultimate Alliance games were um, developed by Raven Software. So Raven Software worked with uh, id Software on the Heretic and Hexen games, which were spin-offs of the Doom engine with John Romero. So all right, all where's American back. McGee and all this, Mike? What, what room is he in? <laughs> <laughs> is, is he drawing these people? Is he working on Alice? I gotta know. I guess he's working on Alice. But yeah, so we get Raven Software <laughs> making software for Raven Darkholm, I guess. Is, is and that makes sense because they did some of the Gauntlet ports too later, right? I think. So to have that ARPG style, I, I mm-hmm. think that makes sense. And they did great with these. The the, the CG cutscene was awesome in, in the X-Men Legends games. They looked the really good for the time. Story, I'm, I mean, Apocalypse is the bad guy. You get his entire he history. Kidnaps he's stealing, he kidnaps mutants. He's stealing mutants' powers. He kidnaps Beast, Quicksilver, Polaris, uh, and somebody else. I can't remember. Multiple Man, maybe. Maybe. Um, and I just I remember as a kid, 
I think it is because uh, he makes like clones as a final boss or something. But as a kid, I remember being like, fuck, this is like serious stakes for a video game. It was like X2, X United, you know, like, oh, man, we get to be Magneto. It's awesome. Yeah. So, yeah, there's some apocalyptic happenings in the old games. So, yeah, uh, again, you have to wonder um, in this world where we have like the Marvel Avengers video game thing coming out from Squaresoft and stuff. It's like if that had done better or, you know, Joe loves the Spider-Man game so much. It's like, does he have a future? Are there X-Men video games in the works? Ah, I would say we'll have to see. I, I think probably not, guys. Unfortunately, no, I think your your best bet would be if they ever did make a Ultimate Alliance 4, that in Ultimate Alliance 5 you would get. <laughs> Oh God! That's and the like video so game, There's no way that three even sold that much, too. And you're like, hey, if we're lucky, like three games from now. I mean, at least you know if you want a platform, if you want to beat 'em up, if you want to, you know, dungeon crawl, apocalypses, and all those. But for modern new stuff, it seems like he's taking another thousand year nap. So we'll see how long it is before he rears his head again. And I think that's kind of where we got to leave it, guys. I think we got to go down in the tomb, too, and get ready for our slumber while we hit it over to the wrap-up here and talk about our final thoughts on uh, X-Men Marvel's Apocalypse. All right, guys. I'm... uh I'm covered in my blue man group paint. Uh, I'm going to squiggle on some silver lines here. I'm going to wrap myself up in this cellophane and get ready to take my big nap. Ugh. But before we do that, let's wrap up here our final thoughts on Apocalypse, the villain of the X-Men franchise for Marvel. Um, we keep joking. I mean, obviously the final thought is it's like, Here's another weird comic book character that we're giving a spotlight episode to <laughs> before other ones. Normies. Obviously, these are very particular times for our Aprilocalypse theme, and uh, I think the big blue boy is is kind of the perfect thing to talk about right now. We're not getting plagues of locusts, but we are getting something kind of close, and uh, he kind of deserves his own little spot in history of acknowledgement right now, and here we are. Yeah, I mean, his survival of the fittest mantra is certainly uh, something everyone's dealing with in a very real sense right now, so hopefully everyone's staying healthy out there, but... Uh, you know, in the April apocalypse, maybe we will get to Superman one day. But <laughs> until that point, this <laughs> is what you're getting. Uh, but it's been interesting for me to learn about like his actual origins, and I want to thank you guys for explaining that to me. How he fused himself to a spaceship and <laughs> yeah, in Egypt. Yeah, I mean, it's a shame. Again, obviously, uh, I've gone on and championed that Doctor Doom is the best. I would say Marvel character, let alone Marvel villain. But I think the person right underneath him is Magneto, and that's because they both have the easy mm -hmm. choice of being the anti-hero or being sort of blurred between those lines. Apocalypse really doesn't have that, so it is interesting to see that they are giving him that now in the comic books. I don't like that direction because I don't think he can embody that. He's He is an extreme. It would be like the most fascist person in the world just sort of sitting down and being like, well, no, I'm actually Gandhi now. Yeah. I mean, he's one of those characters where as, as much as we've kind of joked about him here, you do have to put a little bit of respect on his name. He's he's never been flying around in an apocalypse copter like Thanos was back in the day. Uh, <laughs> every time blimp. he appears in comics, he is 
the big bad. He is. The he's taken serious. All be all. Yeah, he's. I mean, apocalypse fits right. Like, That's there's a reason, name. Joe, that his nemesis is Cable, who is like the most extreme character as well. Where it's like this guy is not. He's not having fun. Like, there is nothing slight or campy other than just the extremism of Cable. So his villain kind of has to mirror that. And like you said, it, it, they're not handled delicately. Like Cable is a maniac who has mental issues and he's trying to save us all from something we don't understand. It's Terminator. A, a god with a god complex. Hmm. Well, I don't think he has to worry about Cable in the streaming era, uh, fortunately. So he's going to be just <laughs> fine. I would love to see more Josh Brolin as cable, cable in all seriousness. Yeah, I'm gonna. So yeah, that's a good question too. Do we think that there's a future for any of those people crossing over? We've danced around so much saying that uh, Thanos was such a well done villain. Do we take that well done villain, make him the uh, uh, person against him, uh, the nemesis? I don't know. It's like I don't think Josh Brolin will ever come back as Cable, and I, I don't think we'll ever see these two again. Well, you could have Josh no, Brolin be. Apocalypse. You just changed Thanos's color to blue. You pretty much made the character already. You I know, and just guarantee have Josh you can do it find all. some mock-ups of that online. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think that'll happen. Sorry to cut you off, Joe. <laughs> no, I, I think the only hangover from Fox movies is going to be Ryan Reynolds, and I hope yes. he makes a bunch of jokes about everyone, including Oscar Isaacs. Joe, oh, have you seen any of the uh, cosplay people do at cons where they can do a, a practical apocalypse outfit? Yeah, no, I've seen some some incredible makeup tutorials too. Where, you know, if you've ever been to a con, you'll see uh, oh, rest in peace cons, right? Remember well, when we go to those? Oh <laughs> um, man, it's, yeah. it, man, don't you wonder again though? You're just like, ugh, like I see this 18 year old figuring it out. <laughs> it's like, how did a movie studio not? Yeah, happens all too yeah, no, frequently. Yeah, but like you got to think they're not, they're not acting you know like they're not they're just gonna sweat out of that in 15 minutes while they're going through a bargain bin like yes yeah Oscar and, Isaac had to do a lot yeah and you also see them walk 10 steps and then put all their weight on their caretaker next to them in normal clothing because it's like <laughs> well yeah you can only exist for a minute as apocalypse so all right normies that's our take on the uh, famous marvel x-men villain apocalypse we hope you're safe in this april apocalypse we've got another one coming out here soon where we'll be again Talking about the wild world we're in. Stay safe out there. Please like and subscribe uh, this podcast at normies underscore like underscore us on our social media. Absolutely. I'd like to thank the uh, three horsemen here with me. We'll get uh, Jacob back here once we're done giving him his powers. <laughs> once they attach his metal wings. Uh, I'm very yeah, excited right. to see how he's going to turn out from that. I, I have a feeling that uh, he's going to be blue and purple for different reasons, but uh, that's okay. That's fine. <laughs> All right. Well, this has been your host, Cal... Colin Ban. Arc Michael. Joe Vereen. All right, guys, let's hit it. Bye. Bye. What a world. Oh, hell yeah. This is Aquaman, and if you enjoyed that episode, I'd really appreciate it if you give it a like, share, and subscribe on iTunes, and you'd really be one of my man if you share with a friend. We'll be seeing you around. We'll build a better world. It's like, what? I can't understand you. <laughs> the marble's in your mouth. Speak up. <laughs>
Marble Entertainment. I almost said I am inevitable, but that's not, a, <laughs> that's not an apocalypse. I'm going to do a big snap. <laughs> no, he's building a better world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we will build we a better world. <laughs> Hit and stop. <laughs>